0: Thank you for tuning in to the Highest Praise Church podcast. For more information about Highest Praise Church, please visit highestpraisechurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Sherwood Lancaster. Highest Church is always a hungry church. Whenever you're, uh, whenever you're sick in a hospital, or whatever, you know, a lot of times they won't let you leave until you eat, you know, drink. Uh, one of the main reasons that they know you're, you're, you're healing, you're, you're better, you're getting healthy. Because you're, because you're hungry. Um, so I figured here during a during time of fasting, um, everybody seems to be fasting something. And if it's in the food group, I mean, you're hungry. You might not be as hungry as you were if you're doing, we're doing a normal fast or, or certain, you know, depends on how intense your, your fast is. But, but the main thing is we want to be hungry for God. Hungry for God. And so um, let's go to Matthew 5. Matthew chapter five. I wanted to uh, just want to do a a little a little study tonight on on this Matthew five and six. And I I, I didn't I, I kind of made notes for you guys to see up there because because you like it. And I didn't put a black background, but I think we can still see it. Um, and just so you can follow through, it didn't. I had to change up some things to do it. But but the Beatitudes here, the, the first thing we see here, the, the Bible says, um, well, first of all, the Beatitudes express man's man's need. The, the first the first couple of uh, verses talks about what what man's what man needs, and then it, then it, then by the time we get to verse six, it talks about our the solution to to what we need. Okay, so obviously we were just talking about just singing about. You know, my God, I need you now, so, so what do we need? Um, verse 6, Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And that's, that's, that's good news. They, sh- they shall be filled. Um, actually, what it tells us is that um, happy are, are the hungry. If, if you're hungry for the things of God... You're going to be, or or actually, it starts out blessed. The word that blessed, that blessed are those who hungry and hunger and thirst after God. Uh, So, so, so basically, we could stop there and say, if you if you're hungry for Him, you're going to be blessed, or you're blessed because of your hunger. You're you're blessed because you thirst thirst for Him, and and so it it makes us it makes us happy. Um, The first five verse of of chapter five, which are uh, the beginning of Jesus' servants on the Mount. We have pointed out man's spiritual need and have shown the type of approach that is necessary for one to be made spiritually happy by God. We want to be spiritually happy by God. So, so verse, verse 3 here, we we'll look at verse 3. It says, Bless are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or the man who comes to God must be poor in spirit. That is, he is spiritually bankrupt in God's sight. You, you 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 attain the kingdom by, of heaven by by be honest with you you bankrupt you tried everything or you realize there's nothing else that can help you but god blessed are the again happy blessed fulfilled is the poor in spirit uh, for theirs is the, is the kingdom of God. You're, 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 you're poor in spirit. You, you don't want anything else. Or there's nothing else you want. You're, you're not rich in all the things that, that make you happy. But blessed is the man. Be honest with you. You don't want nothing but God. And if you had everything except for God, you still wouldn't be happy anyway. And so that's what, it's, that's what he's teaching here. This is Jesus. This is what you need. Remember, he's teaching what you need. Blessed. This is what you need. A man needs to be poor in spirit. Verse 4 here, then verse 4, it says, uh, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourn. So he must mourn. This does not refer to, to simply the kind of sorrow experience for sick or the sick or dying. This is talking about who mourn. He's really talking about, you break it down, he's talking about sin. Who mourn for sin. Uh, for sinners. Sure, we're always we always mourn, we're always down, we're always upset over 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 the sick and the dying. But but again, we're talking about the the, the state of man's spiritual spirituality, and we mourn because of of sin. It's very important when we see a a, a sin sick world that there should be a level of, of mourning there. There should, you shouldn't just see people that sin, and, and sure it makes us mad, or it makes it gets on our nerves, or we don't want anything to do with it. But at the same time, there should be a, there should be a tug on your heart there that that calls you to mourn. And, and what really calls you to mourn is the fact that these people can go to hell. Okay, these people go to hell, and so so you, you kind of you you kind of you hit that. Um, and so that is again that's that's another that's another that's another blessing. Um, the third is found in verse five. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Um, the meek, the man who would experience God's salvation, must also be meek or humble. This refers to his taking a lowly place before God in order he might receive God's salvation. You've you got, you got to be meek. You've got, you got to be lowly. you got to remember in the, in the kingdom of God, everything, is, everything is, is, is opposite from the kingdom of this world. In the kingdom of the of of the world, in order to have, you got to take. But in in the kingdom of God, in order to have, you got to give, give, and it shall be given unto you. Um, To progress in the kingdom of this world, you know, you gotta you gotta live, you gotta outlive somebody, you gotta outdo somebody. In the kingdom of God, you gotta die, so you can live. We die spiritually to our sins, so that so that we can live. So in other words, to to go up in in the kingdom of this world, we need helium to go up in the kingdom of God. You need to go down. You humble yourself. See, that's what fasting is. That's what what giving something to God is. It's it's humbling yourself. And whenever you humble yourself, God always, he exalts the humble. And so so we see, so God is telling us everything that we need here. He's telling us that we need and so then we get to um, get to verse verse six here, which is the fourth thing. There comes a solution, and it says, "If man will hunger and thirst after righteousness, God will fill him with righteousness and declare him righteous. Declare him righteous. So that's that's important. That's good. So." That man will be justified before God. He will embark upon the blessing and effect life outlined and remaining of the Sermon on the Mount. That everything so that we can continue to live this righteous life. God continues. Jesus continues to outline. This is this is how we're going to we're going to have. So the, to, the first meaning. It, the first is what is the meaning of hunger and thirst. So I think before we can obtain this kind of righteousness, we got to understand what is the meaning of hunger and thirst. And one of our biggest problems with not understanding hunger and thirst is that we really've never been truly hungry. I mean, we we want something else, but we're really not hunger or or hunger pains. We've never really experienced hunger hunger pains. One of the greatest problems of understanding this is that we, we rarely experience real hunger. So therefore whenever we read hunger, we we don't get it. We we think that we want God, you know, just like we want you know, uh, a piece of dessert that maybe we didn't get last night. No, that's not how you go after God. You know, well, I wish I could have had it. No, I want it just like a person who, who, who actually literally wants something. With Jesus, when he, these words here, these Greek words that he's using, he's literally using, bless those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. He's not talking about somebody, oh, I skipped lunch today. He's talking about somebody that all they want is food. They don't care what it is all they want is water they don't care what form it comes in don't care if it's don't care if it's design they don't care if it's, it's, it's aqua they don't care whatever it is where it comes from they just want water he said you got to get to the point where all you want is god and that's the only thing that'll satisfy you that's the kind of person that's going to receive this kind of kind of righteousness hunger and thirst represents the basis necessities of, phys- of, of physical life Everything in human history, we always see. I kind of brought up here in Genesis, Genesis 41, 54, and 57. Even then, it was Egypt was in Egypt was the only land that was not in in drought that was not going through a, 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 a time of famine. The, the children of Israel was, and that's the reason why they end up in Egypt. And so we see that all there in all there in the Bible you see different times of famine, um, places in the world experience places of famine. You say where well, America doesn't. No, there's a lot of hungry people, even in America. And so it happens. And so we we experience it. And so what we need to understand that a starving person has a single all consuming passion for food or water. And so when Jesus is saying bless um blessed are those who, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, then I'll be honest with you, you're trying to focus yourself on an on all on consuming passion for, for Jesus. Just like a person starting, this, this is what he's saying here. Whether or not this is how you live in, or, or, or measuring our this, this is, a, this is a, a, a tough scale to measure by, but this is what Jesus is saying. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Happy is the man. So he's saying, happy is the man that lives this way. Happy is the man that lives this way. Lives which way? That you go after Jesus like like a person that is hungry, that a person that is thirsty, that you're you're single-minded. You wake up every day and you're single-minded on Jesus. A person who gets up that is a beggar, he is single-minded that day. It's not how many people likes his post. It's not what shoes he's going to wear. His single-mindedness is on getting food. And whenever we get up every single day and our single-mindedness is on how close we can get to God today. How can we experience him different today? Then Jesus says, oh, you're going to be filled. The actual actual translation there, again, or I say the actual translation, a actual translation, or maybe it's my translation, is you're going to be happy. (laughs) You're going to be happy. Okay? And you want to be happy? He says, this is how you can be happy. A man who is starving to death does not want something to eat and a new suit. Well, hey sir, yeah, hey, sir, you know, you're starving. I see you haven't ate in, in weeks there, but I tell you what, I'm going to take some of this money. looks like you got something on your shirt there. I'm going to buy you a new shirt and some food. Guess what? Bro don't care anything about his shirt. He wants food. And so sometimes God allows us to get to a place to where we don't want anything else but him. And we don't want him and something else. And a lot of times we get to a place, no, we want Jesus and we want people to like us. We want Jesus and we still want, you know. that. I mean, all those, all, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. All these things shall be given unto you. It's going to happen. Problem is, we just kind of, we're kind of missing the boat because we're not going after him the way you. Know, we're, we're seeing it. You know, he's He's the same God that saved then, the same God that saves now, it's the same power that he had then, the same power he has now, same healer then, same healer now. What's the difference? The difference is we don't go after him like, we used to go after them. People go after them. So we don't, experience, we don't experience the things of God that we used to experience because we don't do the things we used to do. When you start doing the things you used to do, you start experiencing the things you used to experience. And so that's, that's the whole thing. God's changed. So a woman dehydrated to the point of death does not want to drink a water in a brand new car. Desperation makes them singular-minded, and sometimes we have to get singular. That's why I like about fasting. We dealt with it a little bit last Wednesday night, talking about different kind of fasting. It is. It makes us single. It, it makes us stop. I love it. I mean, a lot. of A lot of people, and it's it show you. It's twenty twenty-three. A lot of people now can fast, and literally, and I know you get theological, theologically. Um, um, People that's going to want to say, well, that's not really fast unless you fast in food. Some people are fasting, uh, social media because they didn't realize that they really was not single-minded on God. They're, they're, they're more thinking about what posts they're missing or what reel they're missing than even in their time with God. And sometimes you got to do whatever it takes. You do whatever it takes, rid yourself of whatever it takes to get to that single-mindedness to make sure you're, you're staying on, you're staying on God. Um, Anyway, the um, I, I wrote it here so I wouldn't forget it. The famous Greek philosopher uh, Socrates. He was a great Greek philosopher, and and there was a there was a a, a, a young. This is a true story uh, in his writings or, or somebody's writings. Um, it, they came up to him and said uh, that there was this 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 young man who came up to him and wanted to wanted to be his contemporary, wanted to wanted to follow him around, wanted to wanted to learn from him. And so Socrates took him on a boat, went out. Uh, little ways uh, t- and took the, took the young man and just took his head over the boat and just held his head on the water and just held it there. And, you know, the guy guy's kicking, you know, doing, you know, like anybody else would. He was hauling up and he was trying to get up. And he literally held him there until and, and, and the, till the, the young man did not jerk anymore. And right when he did, he pulls him up. And that's all he did. Got back on the boat. Taking it to guy, you know, obviously on the, you know, on the floor of the boat, you know, uh, you know trying to breathe, trying to get his act together. Probably wondering why, why is this Greek philosopher trying to kill me? You know, who knows what all's going through his head. He gets to the beach and when he gets out, Socrates goes up to him. He says, whenever you want to learn as much as you wanted that next breath, then you can follow me. And he he had to put something in his mind. Obviously, when the guy was underneath that water, I mean, all he want, when he came out, all he all he wanted all he wanted was air. All he wanted was air. Sometimes we got to get to the point where that's all we that's all we want. And, and we, we're focused on ourselves. And 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 when 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 that is all we want is God. Sure, you got to have every you know. We're, we, we we got to do what we got to do to continue to function but but what we do deep down is that it's that hunger and thirst that single mindedness after god so this is what hunger is this is what hunger is a lot of time we have we have no idea over here what what hunger is and so um, that's what it is so so, the, so so that's the first thing what is what is hunger the second thing i pulled out is the object of spiritual hunger um the Years ago, there was a—I can't, really can't remember. I think it was a cracker or something other. What? What are you hungry for when you don't know what you're hungry for? I don't know. But it was a commercial. <laughs> I think it was like a cracker or something. <laughs> what are you hungry for? You don't know what you're hungry for. I mean, I us all the time. What are you hungry for? But you don't know what you're hungry for. And often, too, often people hunger for the wrong thing. What are you hungry for when you don't know what you're hungry for? And so a, a lot of times in, in, in life, especially when we're going through uh, spiritual things, we hunger for position, we hunger for power, we hunger for pleasure, we hunger for praise. But there's a reason why these things never satisfy us. And the reason why is because they can't. There's things that we think that we can get, places we can get to, and we think, what are we hungry for when we, when we don't know what we're hungry for? Well, for everybody like us. Well, for us to get that position, for us to get that new car, for we get it. Sure, it makes us happy. Remember, happy is attached to circumstances. Only God can give you joy. Okay? You're ha- we're happy until the circumstance changes. We're happy with the new car until the car payment has to be made. Ah, uh, You know? And, and, and so, you know, these things begin to, begin to, ha- begin to happen. And so we, we don't know what, what, what are we hungry for when we don't know what we're hungry for. And, and, and you have to understand that there's, we, we just, they're not capable of making us happen they can satisfy us for a moment but but we're, we're talking about what it is that we really want the prophet jeremiah says in jeremiah two thirteen, he says they have for they have committed two evils for they have forsaken me the fountains of living waters and hewn for themselves cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water so in other words it says that you know what you're really hungry for is is me but but what you're but everything else you're after it's like pouring water with a jar with holes in it it's just it's not going to hold it because everything we go after we want it to to, to make us happy it will not make us happy because it's it's, it's, it's not capable of making us happy um, the prodigal son here um, the, the prodigal son he he goes after he he, he he leaves his father's house he leaves his father's house because he feels like what he wants to make him happy is, is out there. And so, of course, we know the Bible the story of the prodigal son. So he leaves. And he, he does all the partying. He does all the girls. He does all the friends. He goes all to all the ball games. You know, races all the cars. I mean, whatever it is. Goes on all the trips. You know, he does everything he did. And then, in the end, he found himself just eating with the hogs, right? So then when he came back, and as soon as he comes back, he, he found out, obviously, the father knew the story. The father received him back into himself, killed the fatted calf and fed him. And what he felt, and, and then the whole story of the prodigal son, it's what he thought he needed out there, could not satisfy him, and the only thing that could have satisfied him was in his father's house. We, we're always prodigals. Just because we're born again doesn't mean we're still not prodigals. We have to be reminded all the time that, you know, we can have all these things and God always blesses with all these things and all these things is good. But the bottom line is his presence, being in his house, being his presence is the only thing that truly satisfies us. And we have to be careful. And we always put his foot on this story. Because remember, he had everything that God had promised him or his, the father, his inheritance. Remember, he went out and, he's, and he blew his inheritance. Okay? And then he came back, and his father put the ring back on him to bring him back into the family. And so we celebrate that and thank God for everything that he did because he, even though he did it, the father let him back into the house, and that's the most important thing. But guess what? He never got back his inheritance. And we have to be very careful that whenever we start chasing after things other than what God wants us to have, he'll still, when we're done, when we're done doing, what, doing whatever we're doing and playing games with God and, and, one, you know, and living in the halfway house, one foot in and one foot out and everything else, when we come back, I mean, we, we, he, he'll, he'll, he leads us back in the house. But we don't get restored what it is we wasted on our disobedience. It is interesting. We're like, we, we got we to we read that. We got we to know it. Because, see, God let us, Wednesday night, God we can handle this. And Jordan brought it up a while ago. He actually, you, you, when he read the scripture, it, it just hit me here, you know, with uh, Psalm 51. Lord, do not take your spirit away from me. Right? Psalm 51, you know, do not, do not let your spirit pass from me. Understand this. He wrote this after. He was a lion, adulterous, peeping Tom, murderer. I mean, can we pile anything else on him? I mean, this is what he did a lion, cheating, peeping Tom, adulterous, murderer. Okay? And also, the Bible says he was a man after God's heart. Even though he was a man after God's heart, he still, he still was a lion. Cheating, peeping Tom, adulterous murderer. And after all those things, he prayed and his prayer was, Lord, don't take your spirit away from me. Now, as a Christian, a Christian is someone who the spirit of God dwells. You said, well, if he was a Christian, he wouldn't have done them things. Come on now. Shouldn't have, right? Oh, boy, I hear the holy cows mooing right now. Oh, pastor, y'all over my theology. Let's, let it be. There's a lot of things. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know the, how far you got to go, what you got to do to walk away. No, no, Satan can't take away your salvation. You can walk away from it. God would never divorce you, but you can divorce him. I, I got through all that. The bottom line is simply this. There's things that you can do as a Christian because his grace is sufficient and we can't even fathom it and the Holy Spirit is there because he didn't say, can you put the Holy Spirit back in me? He said, don't take your spirit away from me. And we know the, the mess he went through. Because of the of the baby that was born between him and Bathsheba and how he he just laid there and he he fasted and he mourned over the death of that child. God did not take his spirit away from him. God never left him nor forsake him. But the consequences of that sin, he had to pay for. Are you with me? So anyway, we kind of went around that to get back to this. We, we, we have to be careful that... We're, Whenever we hunger, whenever we get sick, we, we, we want other stuff other than God. He'll, he'll let us go out there and he'll bring us back in. But one thing about sin, man, there's a payday someday. Amen. I don't know. I just want to throw that in there. That was you nothing. That's just stuff that was on my heart. Uh, it just, yeah, it needs to be said. And so, um, Uh, In fact, Jesus says that the same intensity that a man who is about to die from the lack of food and hunger for something to eat or a man who is dehydrated, lack of water and thirst, even for a drop of water, the same one who should thirst after righteousness. So what is righteousness? To put it simply, it is right with God. Right standing with God. Um, Jesus said that blessed... Jesus says that the blessed life is a life that is right with God. The soul has its hunger and thirst. Those desires were built into man at creation. Ecclesiastes 3 and 11, Solomon says, The wisest man on the earth to live wrote that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. That's a very important scripture. God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. What that means is, is that the soul has its hunger and thirst and those desire, we have a desire to hunger and thirst after God. That's why David, whenever he had everything, he had the kingdom and, 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 and all that he had, um, he, he, he had it. Um, but he still had that hunger and thirst after God because the Bible said in Ecclesiastes that God placed in every single person in their hearts eternity. Even the meanest person, the most most person who's doing the most heinous things, there is something in their spirit that causes them to, to just have a hunger to know what eternity is and to spend that eternity for God. I always say people who go to hell is the hardest thing for them to do. We always want to make it easy. I'm telling you, it's harder because the Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish. You have to constantly, 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 constantly say no to God all the time because he's constantly coming after us. That's how he called you. It's kept on coming, kept on coming, and finally we quit running because God set in the hearts of men eternity. And stares it in our, our face. King David understood um, just as Noah also. He said, as the deer panteth out of water books, it's natural for a man to thirst after God. Just as it's natural for, for a, a deer to, to, to run to a water book and drinks, it should be that natural for us to run to God. And where we're not, something's wrong. When we're not having that level of hunger and thirst, something is wrong. We have, we have indicators. Um... He might not know that his thirst is for God. He may try to satisfy that thirst with a substitute, but that would leave him more thirsty. But a thirst for God is what it is, just the same. God has put eternity in our hearts and nothing else would satisfy us. That's why their promotion, that's why the, the new spouse, that's why the, you know, the new raise, everything else, we, we have it, but it doesn't satisfy us like that perfect relationship with God. And when it's all said and done, that's what everybody's after. That's what everybody is after. Um, real quick, two aspects of hunger and thirsty for righteousness, for salvation. The person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness is the person who sees their sin. It's amazing. David came back, and you know, his, every, everything about Psalm fifty-one is David's. Psalm fifty-one, in case you didn't know, many of I'm sure you do, is David's prayer of repentance. You should read Psalm 51 on a regular basis. Every once in a while, just pick up Psalm 51 and read it. You don't read it based on, for them, you just read it and and you just, you just, just, it's it's your prayer to God. Lord, do not take your spirit away from me. I mean, just purge me with hyssop. I mean, it's, it is it is it is it is David's prayer of uh, uh, of repentance. Um, so the person who is hungry and thirsts for righteousness is a person who sees their sin, who understands their condition, and seeks a solution. <clears throat> that can be. Um, David also said, "Forgive me of the great transgression." The, tra- the great transgression is not the fact when he says, forgive me of the great transgressions. What David said, we're beating him up a little bit tonight. But remember, what we didn't say he was a lying, cheating Tom, adulterous, murderer. But that was not his great transgression. His great transgression, his great sin was, was believing something about God that was not true. And, and what we believe about God that's not true, that he's going to bless us just because he should. And God is always; He will always, no matter what you're doing, show something in your life that'll keep you hunger and thirst after what it is that He wants to do. And 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 and, and where we're falling short at it. I was just just this past week. I was I was humbled at something that I saw. I was I was I was I was in a doing something, and I was with a group of people, and and there was there was a, I'm going to go through the whole thing or people start figuring out that's not what's important, but there was something that was going on with a particular, this particular person that, that it broke my heart. And, and what broke my heart was re- reminding me that I wasn't at a place spiritually to see that kind of miracle take place. I, I believe it could, but, but, that's, but stuff like that is what reminds me we still got to keep going after God until we get to that place, till we see that kind of miracle take place. Does that make any sense? I want to see the lame one. I want to see the, lame one, see the dumbest I want, I, want to see, I want to see a person out of that windshield. I, I want to see that, that blind eye open up. And God doesn't show us that to make us cry and feel sorry. God makes us that so that God, we still, we, we, we got to continue to be hungry, continue to be thirsty for him so we can get to that point. Remember, prayer doesn't, prayer doesn't move God. Prayer moves us into a position for God to validate God to bless us. We're always wanting God to move. God, move over here. God, move over there. Now, what we're saying is, God, I'm going to come over here and do this, and I'm going to pray hard enough for you to come in here and bless me. God says, I ain't going anywhere. You pray hard enough till you move over here to where you're supposed to be, and then I'll bless you. We always want, you know, to make a deal with God. You know, making it. He's already made a deal. Though your sins was a scarlet, you shall be made white as snow. I'll, I'll make you that way. And so, um... So anyway, we, 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 those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, a right standing and, 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 and the hunger and thirst after or that righteousness has to do with salvation, has to understand, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just telling you, we just want a closer relationship with him. Um, understands our condition and, and, and seek a solution. Anyone who understands the depth of their sin has a desire to come to Christ in order that they might be forgiven. Of course we are. Just because you're you're a Christian don't mean you still don't ask for repentance. You don't ask for forgiveness. (laughs) You're saved by grace, not because you're perfect. Um, Righteousness involves salvation, justification, also sanctification. For sanctification, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. He used the words that means that it, it is an unqualified and unlimited hunger and thirst. We, that's, that's, that's probably my whole colon card for this entire fast. And, and, and reason why I, yeah, we can use January to have a fast because I think it's good and all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't, that doesn't disqualify us for the rest of the year. Once you're hunger and thirst, whatever you're hungry and thirsty for in January, you, you're, you, you're, you now want to continue to have a unlimited hunger and thirst after, after him continue to get, stay hungry and and, and thirst for him. He uses the words that is an unqualified and unlimited hunger and thirst. When we get saved, you don't stop hungering and thirsting for righteousness. When we come to Jesus, we hunger and thirst for his righteousness, and now we know him, and we hunger and thirst for more of him. It's like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not a puddle we just step into. It's an endless shower that keeps on falling on us. It's not a place we get to with God. Oh, now we see the gifts of the Spirit. No, now we're hungry want more of his gifts. We want more wisdom and knowledge and discernment, faith, miracles and healings, tongues, and interpretation, tongues, and prophecy. We, want to keep, we don't want it to just step into it. We want it just to be a flow. It's a gully. It's a, it's a, it's a gully washer. It keeps staying on us. And so we're to hunger and thirst after righteousness so we can be filled, so we continue to be hungry and thirst after righteousness so we can be filled, so we can continue to be hungry and thirst for righteousness so we feel. It never stops. We want to stop. We want to get to a point. It doesn't matter. Been married to my wife over 30 years. It never stops. I continue to love her. Different now than I did then. It's just different. It's better. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a relationship that you work on. And you feel it when you're not away. It's the same thing with God. The parallels for your marriage is your relationship with God. That's why the devil hates marriage. It's the, same as your, it's, the, it's the same as your relationship with God. You can't, you can't, you can't commit adultery on it. You can't, you, can't, you can't come and go how you please. There's, 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 there's vows that you vow to do. And you vow to work on it every single day. And when you do it, gets closer and closer and closer. It gets better and better and better. Anyway, real quick, let's do this. We've got a few minutes. Moses. I love this. Moses, more than any other Old Testament figure, witnessed physical evidence of the hand of God at work. Just think of all that Moses witnessed in his lifetime. Moses saw the presence of God in the wilderness and a bush that burned and was not consumed. Wouldn't that be cool? You walk around, the bush catch on fire. Wait a minute. The bush ain't on fire. But there's fire on it. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> there's a voice come out of that fire. Now, if you're still hanging around... <laughs> you're going to listen to what the voice says take off your shoes the place you're standing is a holy ground go through that how you many know that's a pretty cool encounter okay Moses saw the miracle of place convincing Pharaoh to allow Israelites to go free frogs lice gnats blood in the water the whole nine yards okay burning bush and that boy he's seen it all Moses saw the power um, in the partner Red Sea can you imagine going going across the Atlanta Intercoastal Waterway and just says, you know what, I don't want to go over the bridge today. I want to go through there. And it just parts, and you go across the right ground. That would be pretty cool. Okay, God, I've seen some cool stuff. Um, Moses saw provision of manna in the wilderness. Moses saw God produce water from a rock. Talk about Sunday. Moses saw God's handwriting, the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone. Moses saw all these things, yet in Exodus 33 and 18, he says, God, I want to see your glory. That blows my mind. I'd have wrote like 18 books off of just what I said a while ago. And somebody else be sitting here on Wednesday night. I ain't preaching on Wednesday night. I guess somebody else did Wednesday night. I mean, I've got 18 books I just wrote. I've seen all this. Moses saw every single of that. And his prayer was, God, I've seen that, but I want to see more. I feel your presence, but I want to feel your presence more. I've seen your handwriting. I've seen your breath blow the east and west wind and move the to move. The, I see you just blowing flies. I've seen you destroy the enemy. I've seen everything else. And at the end of the day, God, oh, I just want to see you. He's hungering and thirsty after righteousness, yet he still hungers and thirsts after righteousness. And when you do that, you will be filled. You will be satisfied. You will be righteous. You will live right with God. Amen? That's what we're after. That's what we're after. Um, David. David walked in such close communion with God that he's the only man in which says that he after God's heart. It's mentioned that in 1 Samuel. Yet he wrote, as a deer panted for the water book, so my soul pants after you. He also later wrote, "O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty place where there is no water." And even though he had this testimony, he was a man after God's own heart. He still said he wanted it. Last one here is Paul, the apostle. Paul had experienced three personal revelations of Christ um, on the road to Damascus. Remember, brother Saul, why they're come to persecute? Why persecute thou me? Um, and he, he sees him. I mean, he sees him in open vision. A lot of people don't know this one, in Acts 18, 9, and 10, whenever, he's been, um, whenever he was being attacked in Corinth, that it's in red. Uh, G- Jesus spoke to him and encouraged him. He says, keep on going. So he sent him in a vision, he, he, a, a night vision. He saw him going down a road on Damascus Road. And then whenever he was stoned, the Bible, the, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, 1, and 4, he said he was caught up into the third heaven. They stoned him. They stoned him, left him for dead. They stoned him until his body was under a heap of rocks, and he, w- he didn't die. So God takes him up to the third heavens. Okay? So he's seen him go down a road, which is a day vision. He sees him night, which is a night vision. And then God says, I'm going to take you up here and let you see, let you see heaven. He's seen all these things. And then in Philippians, he says, that, but I want to know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. See, we read this stuff like this and we don't realize what the dude has already experienced. We want a experience from God and these guys are different because they want every day to be an experience with God. And we wonder why we're not seeing the things we want to see and we have to see. Because we want to hunger and thirst after righteousness. So even Paul wanted a deeper communion with Christ. Anyway, my last one here is this. One thing about this book. Is it satisfaction guarantee? You ever heard that before? Huh? Satisfaction guarantee. We guarantee this. It's going to be, you're going to be satisfied. All your money back. It'll take you triple your money trying to get your money back. So anyway, in on this. Satisfaction guarantee. Our part is to seek God. God's part is to satisfy Remember that. You don't seek God to be satisfied. You just seek God. And his part is to satisfy you. Because what we're seeking him for, we don't, we don't even know really what we want. We think we want it. But remember, God has placed in our heart is to seek after him. We are satisfied, but never satisfied. Remember that. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. What does it mean? We are satisfied but never satisfied. Only God can do that. God, I'm satisfied, but I'm not. Moses was satisfied, but I want to see your face. Paul has seen all this great stuff, but he said, that I might know you in the power of your resurrection. David says, man, he's a God after his own heart. He's as, as a deer panting for your water, so my soul pants after you. So, to me, that's what this verse means. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Our, our job is to seek him, and God's going to satisfy. Him. So, what are we doing right now we're in the middle of a fast? We're just seeking God. We want to experience him. We want to be, we want, to be we want those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. We're, we're after right standing. You say, well, I'm not in right standing. Neither was any of these guys. They were a disaster waiting a place to happen. But yet they begin to see, because remember, you, you seek God, and God will satisfy. We're going to see great things. If we can get this little tidbit right here, let me tell you something. God's getting ready to open up miracles like we've never seen before. And I believe 2023 is it. I believe 2023 is it. And um, anyway, I, it's, I, I, I'll share with you guys. Real fast, we're done here. But you know, one, one thing that gets me—I just got some promises that I believe that God is going to, um, going, going going to do. And so when I when I see something, God reminds me of His promises, even in Bible today. Uh, when I was in high school teaching Bible, I just remind them this is one truth. This is this is the book of promises. And we started going to a you know a teaching on end times a little you know, eschatology you know it's, it's cool that the high school students they want to, they want to know about end times you know of course I'm going to teach them but before we got in I said wait a minute before you, before you can understand prophecy you got to understand a promise and this is a promise book that everything God's promised is going to come to pass so we just seek after the, the promiser and all, the prom, all these things will come to us amen you believe it you're hungry and thirsty for him you seek him and he will satisfy you, okay? All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you, Lord, that um, God, we're to do the seeking and you to do the satisfying. And God, we are satisfied, Lord, and just seeking after you. So, Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, that you would just roll back the heavens. And, Lord, as we seek you like we never had before, Lord, may we, may we find you. May we experience you, Lord. I pray, God, some Moses experiences that, God, everything you do in our lives, the blessings that you're pouring out over our families, over our finances, over our businesses, over our spirit, our souls, our bodies, Lord. But over every blessing, God, you're going to continue to see that we're going to be crying out for more blessings, more of you, Lord. And I just release that over this congregation, over every person that's watching, listening, whenever, wherever it is, Lord. I just release that over the body of Christ tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, God bless you. Thank you for coming. We'll see you Sunday, okay? We hope you enjoyed this message from our midweek experience. If you want to partner with us as we see lives changed and God's kingdom advanced, you can donate through our website, highestpraisechurch.com. And if you would like to stay up to date with all that God is doing here, be sure to follow us on Instagram at highest church and like us on Facebook at highest Praise church. We can't wait to see you soon.